Welcome back to Law in the Limelight, where three entertainment attorneys, myself, Peter Speroni, Max Haas, and Winton Yates, break down entertainment news, current events, and everything under the sun, from copyrights, trademarks, to any other type of intellectual property, as is implicated in the entertainment world. Today, we have a very interesting topic, and uh, we have thought about this for quite some time. We wanted to talk about this because there's a wide ver variety of shows that have these kind of contracts because reality TV shows is our subject today. And today we're going to be talking about the types of clauses to watch out for when you're about to sign these agreements, the types of clauses that you might be able to negotiate if you've got a little bit of clout. We'll explain that in a bit, how you get that. And then we'll really give you a rundown of sort of how reality TV show contracts work in general and give you a few sort of practical examples from our experience in working with some artists and musicians that have been part of these shows. So to start, I wanted to throw it over to Winton, who's just going to give us an overview of sort of the history of reality TV shows. Winton, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so the... Yeah, so this is kind of like super broad, super just like a broad 30,000 foot view of reality TV, because I can say we've all, the three of us have all kind of grown up with reality TV. It didn't come into existence until like fairly recently, within my lifetime at least. Uh, but if you go back a little bit further, do you guys remember, you guys weren't alive i'm sure oh, candid sure. camera did you say um, i wasn't alive the, ra was, the radio I, I show alive. the radio show did you know it started as a radio show in 1947 so i would consider that to be like the very first really? reality show in 1947 on the radio yeah and then we all know candid mm -hmm. camera the tv show that came out i'm kind of wondering great, how great candid camera that. show worked on radio in the but, first place but We'll set that that's aside. what I was going. That's where I was going. Yeah. After this, I was kind of interested to go back and like maybe try to find a YouTube clip of it or something. Uh, but after that, reality TV, as we know, it kind of came into existence with MTV's real world. That very first season one with Pedro <laughs> and the, it was just we were all no, we wasn't. No, Pedro, Pedro was San season Francisco. One. That's season three. Season one yeah, season one more about this than I do was New York City. And it was D Dan, not Dan Cortez, but a big. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back. Hold go on. back. I'm looking it up. Hold the original on. real world Hold was on. New York, not San Francisco. I think San Francisco was three or two. Because Pedro was with Puck. Puck was that grungy. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. But. It still stands that real world was like our first introduction to yeah. reality TV show of like setting up a camera in this house with a bunch of people who don't know and shit give them about a each other ton of and alcohol just like watching what happens. And just turn the like, cameras on. Yeah. It's just a very weird concept. But thinking back on it, it was a very pure time in reality TV. It was just like, let's put a camera in there and see what happens. Like, I could see that being the time where producers weren't as like heavily involved in the storylines as they are now. We all know that like this is all scripted reality now. But after that, so we had like Real World. And then once Real World hit took off, it like spawned this vast cesspool, <laughs> cesspool. of reality TV 
spinoff. So we had like Survivor, which was the first like prime time reality show. Like MTV was all of us like cool kids watching MTV. Survivor was everybody was sitting down during prime time viewing hours and watching a bunch of people on an island Mm -hmm. playing this weird Survivor game. And we were all hooked into it. And they are still shooting Survivor to this day. Uh, And then after that, we got like Fear Factor. And then we got the scripted reality shows of like Housewives and Making the Band and American Idol. And then it went kind of backwards, but still forwards with like family reality shows of like the Duggars or like my 600. What's the one that that you like, uh, Peter? Is it Um, my 600 pound? You bought both you seasons on it. Amazon. Thousand, is it Thousand Pounds? Every Penny could not stop watching that. So good. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, reality show, reality TV kind of started in one spot, and then it was just kind of like, oh, we all really like this, like, voyeuristic nature of, like, peering into other people's lives. Let's just set up a bunch of different show uh, shows about it and see what happens. And now... Is it even really reality TV anymore? Because the producers really, yeah, are like making up storylines I mean, and stuff. Can't like forget that, about Teen Mom. That's some yeah. real drama. Yeah, that's. I mean, sometimes it's just real, and that's the thing. They, um, that actually, that that's an important point here. So the, from my experience in working, and I've worked with four different artists that have been on different reality TV shows, and the number one rule that I always remember is that they are not in control of the narrative. The art, the person on the show at any time can completely flip the script on what they're about, who they are, what type of character they have. And the shows can literally turn your story into anything they want. And it's actually, we'll talk a little bit about the clauses, but we will bring this up in a little bit, but this is a, they actually have a right to defame you in these reality TV show contracts. So they can spin any story that they want. And um, I think that that sort of says a lot about it is that if you look at something like America's Got Talent, you see the talent, sure. There's a lot of talented people there, but if you don't have the story too, that's gonna make you cry and get that golden buzzer, if you don't have that story, you're not making it. So So it's not that they're just trying to get your voice on there, they're also trying to get your story. And they get to make your story up or add to it or delete from it or whatever. And I I think that's troublesome. And I know that I know directly that there's been artists that I've worked with that have that felt that when the show aired, they didn't, it hit him in the face. They didn't expect to see it. And then like, Oh, that never happened. I never said that in that context. Well, we always we always see those like after interviews or like network interviews with people who have been on reality TV shows where the 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 interviewer is like, well, you know, why were you such a bitch on the show or blah, blah, blah. And they're like, I'm not that person. They made that up. I don't know where they got that from. And Um, they so just to give you a a general example here of uh, of this kind of defamation thing that they do on these shows. Um, I was I was working with an artist that was on a show. And the producers had come in early on and said, what is, what's something we can never bring up? Like, what is one topic when you're doing your confessionals? What's one thing we can't bring up? And this particular artist was like, my mom, don't bring up my mom. 
under any circumstances, do not bring up my mom. Don't want to talk about it. Not a good situation, whatever. Sure, no problem. They even had a psychologist there to do a mental health assessment on each of the contestants. And so she, she also talked to the, the psychologist about not mentioning her mom. The very first confessional she's doing, the producers ask her about her mom and she breaks no. down crying. They take that clip of her crying and spin it into a story that she doesn't have any confidence as a singer and repeat that story through the next episodes. This girl was one of the most talented people I've ever worked with and had star capabilities. She, like she walked into a room and lit oh, the wow. room up. Everyone knew that about her. So to actually paint the picture that she had no confidence and that she was like insecure was such a misrepresentation of what she was all about. Wow. And she didn't know they were gonna do that until the show aired. And she saw that and there was nothing she could do about it. It was just but unfortunately, they, they yeah. have to be, they got to sell, it's a product. They got to sell the product. Mm -hmm. and, and she tear, was tears removed from the show sell the product. because she wasn't confident, which was a false narrative. So she, she, she wow. was removed from the show because she just, because they kept airing that clip of her crying again and painted a picture that she was a crier. I've never seen her cry before that. And then wow. they used that clip. So. To that end, that's one of the sort of clauses that we, we see here. I think that's one of the worst ones. We know that these reality TV shows, you, you do not really have a whole lot of options. I know with things like American Idol, America's Got Talent, by the time you sing for the judges, you have already sang for a stadium filled with people, other producers, associate producers. You don't get in front of you know American Idol, Simon, or Simon Paula, Randy, first round. You sing in the stadium first and they cut you down and whatever. But the contracts that you sign for that initial audition uh, are one thing, like a waiver, whatever. And then as, as you make it farther in the rounds, if you make top 10, you, you re-sign. So there's new things that you have to sign the more, more engagement you get and the, the farther you get along the shows. So I want to throw it over to Max here because I, um, Max, talk to us a little bit about just in terms of like right of publicity and, and you know, types of intellectual property rights that might uh, be implicated in these types of agreements. If you can speak to that a little bit on, on some of the stuff you've seen. Sure. Yeah. I mean, one thing to keep in mind is that with all the different types of reality shows we have, there's different sort of legal implications, right? You have these sort of voyeuristic shows that are just following people around their lives. You have these competition shows. Well, and even then those break down into various different subcategories, right? You've got Survivor where you're actually bringing people to a destination versus like what American Gladiator where people are on a, a soundstage somewhere versus like a music competition show or something like that. And so all of these different things given that the participants are engaged in very different activities are going to trigger a lot of different contract needs. And so there isn't really, you know, even though the topic of our, of our session today is reality show contracts, there isn't really one type of reality show contract. So for instance, you know, where you have maybe something like survivor where there's very real physical harm as a possibility, um, as you know, contestants are going to be dealing with, legitimate challenges um i'm sure there's language in those contracts that include you know a waiver of 
liability for physical harm. You can't turn around and sue the production company just because you got injured while competing on Survivor or something like that, right? Um, but more generally, there's, as Peter mentioned, sort of this right of publicity issue. Every one of these shows, if you're a contestant, you either will be on TV at some point or there's a possibility that by being a contestant or entering these early audition stages or whatever that you could end up on TV. And so one of the first things that any filmmaker needs to obtain from someone whose face is going to appear on screen is permission to use their face on screen. So that's where the uh, the person's uh, right of image, likeness, name, voice, all of that sort of thing has to be granted over to the producer. Um, the reason for that is that every individual person has a right of privacy, right? And so if someone were to film you, capture your face and your voice, throw you up in a TV commercial or a TV show or a film or something like that, and you'd be identifiable from that footage, if you never gave permission, then that's an invasion of your privacy to, to throw your face up on a screen for thousands, if not millions of people to see it. And that, yeah. And that, and to add to that too, like that goes to the concept of your life story rights. A lot of producers will put in the, in the contracts and the clauses that they have a right to your life story. So if they're using momentum from whatever narrative they decide to give you, so, right. you know, this is actually, this is a good, good, good example of this. So remember, um, flavor, flavor and flavor of did, love. Yeah. Flavor of love. And who, 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 who got, wait, it's second. She won second. <laughs> she didn't yeah. win, win. Did she, she got second, um, New York, right? New York. So then New York, she spit New on York. that yeah. other girl. Oh yeah. That was the big scene, right? So New York was the, the, the villain. And then from that narrative, which, by the way, uh-huh. wasn't a false narrative for New York. I mean, that's what she was doing. She was playing <laughs> it up for the camera. Good on her, though, because she made quite a career. But uh, that next of course, I Love yeah. New York, she got a whole spinoff show and did season right. after season after season. And so, like, a life story right in that context would be implicated here. That clause would be implicated here because whatever narrative the show created for her, they sort of own that in the future. And I'm sure that the more she signed, um, you know, the the bigger the contracts got. But once New York was had the number one show on VH1, and she did for a while, that was so popular. Once she had Mm -hmm. the number one show on VH1, she had more clout to say, you know, to go in and with her attorney and negotiate the nuanced clauses whereas when she signed up for flavor of love you sign take it or leave it you want to be on tv and someone like new york tiffany oh tiffany something what was her name she just wants the she wants the fame she wants the exposure i mean anyone who's ever done a dating show reality tv show is looking for exposure it's not for a relationship (laughs) right especially with there's even there's Tiffany even, Pollard, yeah. Uh, guys, uh, I love you get York. called Tiffany out. But um, so on, so so these are the yeah. types of things that can be implicated, uh, you know, moving forward. Like it, it, you sign the contract, you do the show, and then you really need to look at things like a hold period. So how long after the show airs or while the show is airing can you even talk about it? I know a lot of reality TV shows are literally on full out gag orders, no posting on social media. You know, they can mention that they're on the show, 
But if they mm -hmm. start to talk about their experience of the show, they may not realize that they're actually giving away clues to future episodes. And there is multi-million dollar breach of contract penalties for doing that because you're, you know, you're sacrificing the actual surprise to the millions of viewers that see it. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the kind of things that sort of are in every single reality TV show contract. You don't right. have much negotiation power. You don't have any control over your narrative and you better have a good story or they're going to make one up for you. Right. Um, so in, in that context, we'll move over a little bit more towards music in the context of royalties. So I, a couple of years ago, 2017, I don't know if anyone remembers this uh, show, but it was Songland on NBC. Ryan Tedder, there's a couple other, Casey, Casey Musgraves, um, the, the goal here was to get a bunch of songwriters that really didn't have a whole lot of success and audition them for their original songs. So they submitted demo tapes and they performed these demo tapes or they performed, um, for the, the judges. And then, you know, by the end of the show, one of the big stars would select the, a song to put on their album. Well, great. That sounds amazing. However, uh, NBC's contract said that all future earnings, all royalties, all copyrights were ownership of NBC. So here you have a song that's finally actually showing the songwriting process and the publishing process, which is hardly ever shown. I mean, you see the performing side of music all the time. You rarely see that publishing pie you know, displayed in the media and stuff because people don't really understand it. So it was an opportunity now for NBC to actually show this kind of content. And on the back end, they're screwing every single person on that show um, in out of future royalties of a song that they place on an album of a major star, which would probably equate to millions of dollars in songwriting royalties. I mean, it was the, it's the old artist scam of, hey, let me... Let me feature your stuff. I can give you great exposure. Yeah. And I always tell clients, like, please don't do anything for exposure. Get what you're worth. And in this case, that was, ugh. that's like the biggest, uh, we'll give you exposure. Ugh. Right. And the, the, the biggest issue that I've learned, too, is, you know, when, when the reality TV show is on, your artist or your the person that you're working with that's on the show Overnight fame. I mean, people recognize them on the street. Uh, they're on billboards. They're doing Ellen. They're doing all the news. They do a circuit. So they do a press circuit. And you have all of these um, big things that happen overnight. The second, the second that they start advertising season two, you're done. <laughs> Nobody is following you on social media anymore. Nobody is caring. Nobody is anything. So you're you're now finding yourself where you had overnight fame and success but because of the contract you just signed you can't do anything with your public persona whatsoever because the show owns it you can't do anything with your music because they own that so you're sort of what i call on the shelf just stuck there in this i was famous a second ago and now i'm gone and that's why they call it the 15 minutes um but i think the songland thing shows a little bit about the danger of doing reality TV show and, and uh, the loss of control 
that a musician can experience when it comes to their music. Now, it's not just that, but Winton, if you wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your experience with with someone who's trying to get their music on a reality TV show. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a potential client, so I won't go into like too much detail about who they are, but they, it's a potential client that I have that actually has a current reality show on a big network. Uh, and in the reality show, it, it features themselves, their family, their friends, and in the reality show at some point during one of the seasons, one of uh, one of their family members or some of their family members start to kind of like make up songs and stuff. And then they approach me about wanting to turn that into actual music, go into the studio, record this kind of stuff and, you know, start setting up royalties and all this stuff. Our first question, I, I remember bringing this to you guys about like, OK, I, there's a bunch of questions we're going to have to figure out before we can even go down the road of getting them into a studio to do producer agreements and all that kind of stuff to put this stuff on track we got to figure out who actually owns that intellectual property because when they sign those contracts to do the reality show we got to know okay in that contract did the network expressly say or implicate in any way that they own any intellectual property that comes out of this show including Mm -hmm. those songs that may have been made up during one of the episodes uh, and I remember they they told me, you know, we read through it, but I, I don't I believe I believe we own that stuff. And I say, you got to you got to go back and you got to read it because there's probably something in there that says that that network owns whatever intellectual property comes out of the show, because it, it wouldn't benefit. It wouldn't benefit the network not to own any intellectual property that comes out of it, because that leaves them open to not being able to produce merchandise for the show, not being able to produce spinoffs, derivatives of the show. It, it keeps them from being able to do and create all these other streams of revenue from this show that they've invested in creating and bringing into the light and creating, you know, making popular. If the people in the show own everything and then don't do anything with it, it doesn't financially benefit everybody. At the end of the day, reality shows are part of a business it is a product from a business that wants to make money so it only benefits them to be able to own as much of that product as they can when it's going out so i think that's one of the things that a lot of people need to make sure they are vigilant about before they sign these contracts is going into a reality show and i know you guys can speak to uh like american idol going into you know American Idol or just having like one of these voyeuristic type shows where they're just coming into your life and filming what goes on around you is are you going to be able to capitalize at the end of the day like Peter you pointed out like are you going to be on the shelf or are you going to be able to take the intellectual property or anything that that came out of that show and actually be able to capitalize on it are you going to be able to build your own businesses out of what comes out of the show are you going to be able to take your personality and go on to do other things with it or does the network own it and are they just going to put you in a drawer and say all right we're on to the next next season you know on that point it's kind of interesting because you see very different experience with people who show up on reality shows who have some kind of existing business and the example that i'm thinking of is a show like vanderpump rules where lisa vanderpump started on real housewives of orange uh, not orange county beverly hills um 
you know, her role mm-hmm. on the show, at least originally, I think was pretty limited. But as, you know, she became more well-known and whatnot, Bravo started looking into, you know, can we do something with her restaurants? And so they started this whole spinoff show where she has, at least at the start of the series, one restaurant and they just feature like the, the people who work there and, and all this stuff. But over the life of the show, her business grows and she opens up two additional locations. And I know that she and her husband are making money from other things as well. I mean, they're just entrepreneurs making all kinds of money from various things. But I have to imagine that the show made a huge impact in that, not only in terms of the original restaurant, seeing all kinds of tourism and increased sales just because people know about it. So then when they go visit L.A., if they're a fan of the show, they include uh, you know, Lisa's restaurants as like a must-see stop while they're visiting. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, you know, certain types of shows, and this this goes back to another point that I think needs to be mentioned. Some shows people are getting paid to be on it, and other shows mm-hmm. people are not getting paid to be on it. But you better believe a show like Vanderpump Rules or one of the Real Housewives, these voyeuristic type shows, those are cast members. They are not just ordinary people who are signing their all their rights away for a film crew to come in. You know, things have evolved quite a bit since the real world. People go into this show and they're getting a salary for shooting. Every episode that features footage with that person in it, you get paid. And I actually had a chance to review a contract for a similar type of show uh, that's going to be shooting in Atlanta later this year if it if it hasn't already started shooting. And they're very careful about how they word those sections when it comes to compensation, right? They say, you will get paid for every episode featuring new footage. You don't get paid if we just throw a flashback in there from a previous episode. You don't get paid if your only appearance in this particular episode is in the bumpers at the beginning and end of each episode but if you are in new footage that has not been aired yet in that particular episode you'll get paid from it so anyway so it can be really particular so they can be very particular um but on the flip side these competition style shows they don't feel like they need to pay you because you're there trying to sort of get a chance to win this this big prize but to tie it all back i think you know, where you have the shows where people are just getting started or are on the show for some other reason and then they start some new project while they're on the show. I think those people are potentially in a much more vulnerable position. But when you come on to a show with an existing business like Lisa Vanderpump did, it's like can be just a huge boon for your business. I mean, it's kind Absol- of insane yeah, how much absolutely. it can grow. <laughs> If you've if you've got that if you're bringing that book of business with you and you have that clout, then obviously you can right. negotiate more nuanced. Well, or I, you can negotiate at all actually, because you can't really negotiate with American Idol if you're standing in a st- stadium of forty thousand people. It's not right. like you're going to go up when they hand you the waiver and say, "Oh, I I would like to write a first refusal here, <laughs> Simon. Thank you." <laughs> you know, like you, you it's not a that's and not a thing. Say, I always I always like. Yeah, when I when I look at someone who comes on an audition for American Idol, and I know by the time it's aired, they've already been through five different producers and they've already done this a million times. Um, 
But I always, every time they say I'm going to sing an original song, I go, oh, because I know they just gave that original song away for free forever. It's right. property of American Idols. And, Cringe. you know, it, my, my thought is this. Yep. I get it. I understand that uh, shows like American Idol, America's Got Talent and, and Song, and they give that, they, they do serve a purpose. They do give people exposure. Um, and they are a platform. They do put up billboards. They pay for the marketing. There is a, they are a resource and they do things. But I really fight back against the idea that if they use your footage or not, you still give away your IP. And that's really common in these contracts. Mm -hmm. So you could audition and you could actually sing in front of, I mean, you could make it all the way to Hollywood week in, a, in American Idol and never get a shot on camera, depending on editing. So you take that and let's just say, let's say you, you got past the three judges, they, they sent you to Hollywood, you're doing Hollywood week, but the producers learn you don't have much of a story that they can work with, or maybe you're not a good interview on camera, maybe you just don't have what they're looking for. You're not making any shots, you're not on camera. So all of this exposure that you just gave away the farm for, you don't even get and then you're tied into that holding clause until the contract expires like five years from when you signed it. And I think right. those are the worst case scenarios because you can have really talented people, especially songwriters, that give away everything for the chance at exposure and the show doesn't even guarantee exposure. Right. Well, let's, uh, let's turn this around for a second because, I mean, we've been talking this whole time from the perspective of an individual person who might potentially be making an appearance on a reality show but as entertainment lawyers we represent producers sometimes as well and so to look at this kind of from the other side um there's a you know there's a reason that they do a lot of these things right like for starting with the most basic you need to get these permission to use likeness because you will get sued for invasion of privacy otherwise so that's just kind of a standard thing in all filmmaking and honestly in all photography as well as very standard to get a release right the life story thing makes sense to me because at least for a lot of these shows that's part of you know sort of the raw materials of making the show and then you know peter to your point about the producers making sure that they basically get the contestants to sign everything over whether or not they appear on camera it kind of goes back to that same thing it's sort of the raw materials they need to make <coughs> the show and they're not sure at the time of signing what they might end up using or not using but when you're talking about the contracts it's one of those things where if you wait until you've already got the finished product and then you try to go back and get the contract signed i mean we've all had clients where we have this situation it's a lot harder mm -hmm. to get that contract signed after the fact when the person on the other side knows that there's some value there and then they'll say wait a minute wait a minute so I'm this entire episode and now you want me to sign this contract for no money? That's a much mm -hmm. harder pill to swallow than getting people to sign on as a condition of participating mm -hmm. and all of that. And so it gives the producer the flexibility to take this footage and say, well, how do we want to edit it in the way that's going to make the best you know, finished product, the best episode we can possibly make here? Um, and then another thing I wanted to touch on is that as producer – you have other concerns than just your interactions with with the contestants or with the participants on the show, right? You've got your 
locations where you need to get permission to shoot if you're doing anything um you know on site not so much in these competition shows but certainly well it depends actually <laughs> not the ones that are uh shot on sound stages but the ones that are actually out on location somewhere whether it be survivor or supermarket sweep or whatever you know that type of thing <laughs> supermarket uh, sweep. is that what it's called that's a good one or am i supermarket ma- sweep was like I remember that way back in. The- it's a real thing. Okay. It's back. All right. I knew I wasn't oh, making it. No, no, no. Yeah, okay. Supermarket Sweet. Yeah. I love that <laughs> no, it's show. back. I love Leslie, Leslie Jones is the host of the new one. And it's Gold, it's um, fantastic. Get the, get the big hunks of meat in the fine, like 500 bucks a pop in the back freezer. Always grab the inflatables. And there's a ticket on there, too. With an and extra people bonus. always go I past mean, the, the inflatables. You always grab the inflatables. Always grab the inflatables. But Max, no, I'm glad you brought up Supermarket Suite because another thing that producers have to think about is trademarks and copyrights. If you're, you get somebody that shows up with a T-shirt that says Nike across it, you've you've got to be concerned about okay, that says mm-hmm. Nike across the shirt. Mm-hmm. We've got to black that out. I, I know people have seen like shows where somebody will have like a black piece of tape across their hat on a show, right? It's because mm-hmm. they've got to block that out. We can't see that, or you'll, they'll they'll have like a Mac. They've got to block out the Apple logo. Like supermarket sweep, I'm sure they. I'm sure everybody on that shelf has paid to be on supermarket sweep. That is like a whole nother thing. Yeah, Yeah. that actually makes me wonder: Do they use a real grocery store, or do they stage a grocery store? I'm I'm pretty sure they stage that too, and and also that those black uh, marks that are through. I'm pretty sure they stage a grocery store. It's not only just that they didn't have permission for it; they may not even have permission for it. Just then by the time that rerun airs they may have had permission in the contract to use to endorse that product like i know in in like friends episodes if you watch them again if you notice up on the shelves in monica's house apartment the products change from when it aired back in the 90s because Whoa. the contracts expired for the right to display it so they actually come in and digitally change like a detergent goes from tide to all because wow. they did a new deal with yeah and so they're actually <laughs> able to digitally come in and sort of change those things so i like oh, wow. uh, blurring things out and stuff can happen for they never have permission or they used to have permission and now they don't well and the other thing depending on the type of show is they might not even want to bother getting permission yeah and so they just say if we just put tape over this we take the labels off of water bottles we put tape over the soda cans that people are drinking right then then they don't even have to bother with the clearance process if they know it's not going to be an issue yeah because if if you're dealing with like an american Mm -hmm. idol you've got thousands of people coming through a stadium right you send out a general message of like we're just like a no logo t-shirt half the people are not going to read that that email and they're going to show up with you know under armor nike gap old navy they're gonna show up with all kinds of logos everywhere you can't even get people not to wear striped shirts yeah we used to it's gonna do the little fuzzy thing let alone get them not to wear something with a giant logo on it so they do i used to do it for uh mtv casting the audiences for shows i mean it's pretty specific. You you cannot wear these colors. You cannot. I mean, think about if you have a if you have a star come on the show like TRL or something, 
you you it, it can get really specific. You can't wear the same color that the star is wearing because <laughs> if you are wearing the same color as the star, then it's going to be distracting and that's not going to make them look like much of a star. You know, st they they really right. when you cast the audience, you cast the audience. If you look behind any uh, finals, like American Idol finals at the theater, if or America's Got Talent when they go to the big um, big auditoriums behind the judges in that shot are always models we used to cast the models we would go to ford models boss models next models mm -hmm. and we would say hey we got a show at you know video music awards coming up or this or that we need models for behind the judges panel because we knew where the camera shots were going to go in on the audience and those were models because you know they're models and they're they're good to look at um, but you think about it, that that kind of stuff happens all the time. Everything you see in that shot is done on purpose. Everything. Right. That's really it's really funny you say that because uh, my wife and I every time Comedy Central comes to New Orleans to shoot their stand up specials, their little thirty minute specials, we always get the tickets and go because they're free. And when you go, it's the whole setup. They got cameras everywhere. They got the whole studio yeah. set up in the theater. And as you're coming in they're like handpicking people to sit in specific spots. Like they're like, okay, this couple, we need you to sit here. Every time we go, we get sat front and center front, like front and center. And they come and give you very specific instructions of like, okay, you're in the front. You need to smile. You need to laugh. Even if they're not funny, you have to laugh. Mm -hmm. You have to smile. You're having a great time. We need to see you don't, when the wow. camera's around you, don't drink your drinks. Like, don't move too much. Don't stand up. If you got to pee, go do it now. It's like, all right. And then you just got to like stand there and laugh. I knew a dancer on Soul Train that got booted from the show before they were uh, about to film because he looked too much like Shamar Moore, the host. They're like, we can't have you here. You look just like Shamar Moore. Like, no, you, you're, we can't have you. So he literally wow. showed up and then they're like, nah, you look like the host. Like they think everything is completely calculated and done on purpose. And it's like the director of the show, those producers of the show, they have it all mapped out. And if you're not fitting into that equation, you don't get the airtime. Oh, yeah. They're in 100 percent control of everything you see in here. Mm -hmm. um, so to musicians, to people that are looking for love, you know, and just wanting that rose or whatever it is you get. Or if you just want Speaking to eat a hissing of, cockroach for ten grand, I don't know. Uh, just you said know that funny earlier about how people <laughs> go on shows just for the exposure. There are people who get called out on shows like The Bachelor. Like if you're not really here for a relationship, then you should just go now. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah well, exactly. they signed a contract saying otherwise. Actually, yeah, yeah, right. I mean. If you're looking for a relationship, you know, match.com or, you know, Tinder or any, anything so like that. Um, it doesn't have to be on a, a national television. Um, but, you know, we gave you a lot of rundowns if you're thinking about doing reality TV. I actually do get this, this question often, and I, I try to steer people away from it. Um, I was working on a, with an artist that was going to do American Idol and well he ended up doing american idol and he got booted for from the show because of a scandal that i told him before he did the show it's going to come out you you this will come out about you everything every skeleton in your closet you make that top 10 is coming out about you and sure enough it did 
and he was he was literally he was a front runner and he was voted off the show the next day when the story broke and it was not a really good thing you know about him to have on national television in front of all his family and parents no control so he felt that he felt that and you think what happens to these people afterwards you're trying to now reverse what the public thinks you are when it may not be true that's that's incredibly difficult to do in a machine of social media and in a machine of a big network saying that you are this thing knowing that you're not you can never really correct that record and so that's career suicide for most people i mean just think it just think about reality shows like the moments you remember in reality shows stick forever. We were just talking about making the band, and when Diddy made them walk across the bridge for the cheesecake, you'll never forget that moment. Yeah. Like Tiffany Pollard, you'll never forget her spitting. That you just don't forget these things, even though these people may have grown and changed, and they're like married with kids and have businesses, and they're I, uh, whole different people I've now. I've been there a couple times. It's, I still it's remember awesome. the cheese gig. I, um, I don't remember. I don't know what you've been doing since then. Yeah, yeah, it's worth it to walk across a bridge. So you did it, but I mean, I I remember them being all. all Is it upset worth it to walk across a bridge? It. I was just like, I was laughing because I was like, Diddy was just like, do it because I said so. Go get me a cheesecake. I want a slice of cheesecake. Just get me one. <laughs> You're going to be asked to do things in this industry you don't want to do. Go get me a cheesecake. <laughs> it's I want like, well, cheesecake. fair enough. <laughs> Let's go get him a cheesecake. Okay, so we've run down some general clauses in the reality TV show contracts that you should look out for, um, you know, moving forward. And like we said, there's a wide array of different kinds of reality shows. So depending on which one you're going on, just know at the end of the day, you own absolutely nothing. You're in control of nothing. You have absolutely no clout to negotiate that agreement. However, we just told you about eight problematic clauses that probably will be in your contract that you can't negotiate. So with that, I'm going to say we'll see you next time. This is Law in the Limelight with Peter Speroni, Max Haas, and Winston Yates. See you next time. One of our rules is telling you about the other rules. First thing you should know is nothing we say here is legal advice. And you shouldn't take it as legal advice. We'll be giving our personal thoughts and opinions on various entertainment industry issues and we hope that it's informative and maybe even educational for you. But if you have a specific legal issue, then I recommend you contact an attorney directly and set up a consultation where they can give you legal advice. And the second thing you should know, even though we all work for the same firm, it doesn't mean that we all speak on behalf of our whole firm. And opinions expressed are solely our own. Final words of warning depends on what state you're in. While you're watching or listening, be aware that law in the limelight may be considered attorney advertising. And that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed listening. So without further ado, Enjoy, please enjoy, law in the limelight, law in the limelight, please enjoy.
please enjoy, please enjoy, long in the limelight.